When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Greetings, fans of the esoteric, and welcome back to Madame Magenta and the Arcati Killer. Chapter... Oh, I don't know. What is it? Uh, I can't remember. But Six, seven, something like that. Something like that. These ones have titles, don't they? They do. And they don't have numbers, which is... We're 16% through. In fact, I might do two chapters so that we're not reading this for the rest of our lives. Gosh. Yes. So this chapter is called, If Paradise is Half as Nice. And I, I should, we should probably do a little quick update to remind people where we are in the story. Oh, yes. So yeah. uh, at this point, uh, we're going back to uh, Magenta and Bernard, that's us, and we are we are at the uh, Roger's house, that's my boss, and he's got a very peculiar house full of esoteric knickknacks and so on. Mm. Right. Oh, and also our cat is, one of them, is in the room with us, so you might hear the occasional annoying complaint or little fluffy paw disturbing something. All right, here we go. Roger's dining room, it turns out, is a tasteful affair in subtle shades of eggshell and taupe. The furniture, Swedish stripped pine, the carpet, a discreet beige shag. <laughs> of course it's not! It's revolting! Suffice it to say, a huge black chicken with red marbles for eyes, another grotesque taxidermy, and a bleeding heart Santa Maria statue watched me eat my entire meal. Mint thin? Roger asks, taking a square of chocolate out of the mouth of a hinged skull and proffering it round. I decline politely and pretend to stifle a yawn, as a subtle indication that I'm ready to draw the evening to a close. We've only been here about an hour, but it's probably best to quit before Roger can suggest sacrificing a goat. The meal itself, unlike the surroundings, is fairly tame. I was expecting sloth moose in a bike chain coolie or some other such Blumenthal disgrace, but the main course consisted of chicken, gravy, mash and veg, although Roger insisted on calling it poussin in a red wine jus, crushed potatoes and buttered samphire. I reluctantly declined the chicken, the delicious smell a constant torment. I confess there have been slip-ups in my vegetarianism. On a handful of occasions in the past few months, always after an evening on the absinthe shooters, I've woken up to find the scattered bones of takeaway chicken littered across the kitchen work surfaces. I can't seem to help myself. After a few drinks, I'm a poultry pull pot. Unaware of the inner battle I was waging against my baser urges, the dinner party chat dribbled on. On the surface, it was the usual bore-fest about the state of the economy, blah, blah, property values, blah, blah, kids nowadays, yada, 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 foreign travel, blah. But there was also an unpleasantly competitive edge to proceedings. Roger, it seems, is a keen proponent of dinner party battleships. 
in which one manoeuvres through tedious conversational waters, attempting to sink each other's one-upmanships. <laughs> It's a rather good joke, isn't it? Yes. Yes. The problem being that Bernard and I wouldn't engage in battle, so it turned into a massacre. We had no chance against such a foe. Roger has no shame, no tact, and the sensitivity of a detached foreskin. In the space of an hour, his bragged about his financial status, made little jokes about Bernard's lesser role in the company, and even unbelievably intimated, I'm a humble little wifey who messes around with joss sticks for pocket money. <sighs> Insulting me turned out to be his opening gambit in forcing me to talk about my work, but I wasn't going to rise to it. Uh, oh. I'm boomer. Stop I, it. I'm rather worried about the cat with the that glass it, of water sat on my amplifier there. Oh, <laughs> she's all right. Go on. All right. Tell me about your interaction with spirits, Magenta. He said, grinning. I'm more of a wine drinker, actually. <laughs> yes. Uh, obviously, I'm asking about your relationship with dead people. That's illegal, isn't it? <laughs> can you pass the mash, Bernard? <laughs> okay. I I can see you're being humorous. Uh, very good. But I'm genuinely interested. What motivates you to do the work you do? The mortgage, etc. I suppose I'm being a bit awkward, but I haven't felt inclined to engage with him. Otherwise, I've been an obedient dinner party guest, filling silences with inane comments, exclaiming over the food, murmur laughing at Roger's excruciatingly awkward anecdotes. Here's an example. Uh, Look, guys, I don't mean to pull my own plonker, but by the age of 17, I was a millionaire. By 18, I'd lost every penny. By 19, I'd made it back with interest. What I'm saying is, I wasn't a normal teenager. I didn't spend every waking moment wanking my way to oblivion and eating corn snacks in front of shoot-em-up video games. Unlike Bernard, am I right, Bernard? <laughs> Too much wang-pulling, not enough application. That's Bernard's problem, eh? He's a wanker. Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, in all seriousness, guys, I still work very hard, and self-abuse is a luxury I cannot afford. Which is ironic, because I can afford literally everything else! <laughs> oh, God. An hour of such wildian levels of banter, and Bernard now appears withdrawn and somewhat depressed, while I'm on the verge of a politeness aneurysm. If the angel Gabriel had gifted me animal telekinesis instead of telepathy, Roger would be extracting a giant cockerel from deep inside his colon by now. Interestingly, both Bernard and I have also been avoiding discussing the elephant in the room, which is that there's probably a stuffed elephant in one of the rooms. After the shock of the entrance hall and living room, I deliberately didn't pass comment on the state of the dining room when we entered it. The whole house is trying so hard that I decided not to give it the attention that Roger is so clearly gagging for. But on the other hand, we're swiftly running out of boring rubbish to talk about, so... Roger, can I ask why you've chosen such an extreme decorative style, I say politely, trying hard to maintain a mildly curious but mostly neutral expression. It's my I'm-not-judging face, a handy tool in a psychic's kit bag. Sadly, as I'm not what you'd call a natural diplomat, I've struggled with maintaining such a facade in the past. One of my clients once asked if I was having a stroke. So strenuously was I attempting to radiate neutrality. Oh, yes, tell us about the house. Bernard joins in with an approximation of earlier enthusiasm. My heart pangs for him. I think he genuinely thought we might have a nice time tonight. Bernard isn't an arsehole and consequently is rarely prepared when other people are. 
Roger doesn't answer the question immediately, instead stretching luxuriously in his chair-come-voodoo throne, reaching to his full five-foot-four from his teeny toes to outstretched itty-bitty fingers. <sighs> Roger groans extravagantly, chuckling ruefully. Can you do chuckling at the same time? <laughs> there we go. You want to know why? Why does my home look like this? I get asked that so much. It's so predictable. I bristle. Oh, how boring for you. Maybe you should stop inviting people round, then they wouldn't ask. Get no need to apologise. <sighs> Roger says, ignoring the sarcasm. He pauses and sips his wine thoughtfully. I can understand your curiosity. So many people live such small, muted lives. They're fascinated by anything a little... Outre. Anything that challenges convention. I snort loudly at the implication that Bernard and I are a couple of boring old lumps. We might well be boring old lumps, but you don't ruddy say it. Roger ignores me and continues. A look of beatific... Is it beatific? I don't know. I think we had this in the last book. Oh, you God keep sake. writing it and you've Why never learned how to say it. Beatitude, you know, the saintly thing. Beatific. Beatific, saintly, self-satisfaction on his gnome-like physog. There's a bravery that comes with artistic expression that many do not understand. A bravery unmatched by any. Artistry. Expression. Truth. The average man in the street can't even begin to imagine why one would choose to live differently, to live freely. He pauses for emphasis. The dressing of one's house and self reflects the dressing of one's mind. Do you know who said that? You? Yes! Roger narrows his eyes and leans back in his chair. My life philosophy. I discovered it many years ago when I underwent a period of intense personal reflection on my gap year in New Zealand. I was contemplating moving there for the sky. So much sky in New Zealand. So much sky. But then I thought, no. Why move to the other side of the world, searching for an ineffable something? when you can create a free state of being in even the most urban of places. So I did. That's nice, I say, hoping he's going to wrap it up. But then... Ugh. Roger continues. Then I look around me and I see so many people trapped in prisons of their own making. Why? You might be familiar with this sentiment, Bernard, Magenta. To our mounting horror, Roger starts to sing loudly in a wobbly falsetto, swaying his goblet from side to side. Take it away, Bernard. Little boxes on the hillside. Oh, little boxes made of tiki-taki. Little boxes on a hillside. Oh, and they all look just the same. Oh, God. Roger lifts his glass and toasts us. To the sheeples. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. I can see Bernard struggling to think of a response, whereas I'm struggling to hold back the bubbling irritation. But like my brass eyes, containment proves fruitless, and my cup spilleth over. I see what you're saying, Roger, I say, voice unnaturally loud, and I think you're right. People ask about this place because they're curious. 
but their curiosity probably doesn't stem from a sort of bovine wonder. I imagine they just think you're psychotic. I casually grab a handful of cashews from a bowl. Let's be honest, Michael Jackson had more restrained taste than this. Saddam Hussein would have drawn the line at this much gold leaf. Even Caligula wouldn't have opted for an indoor swamp for a living room. And the taxidermy! There are more beaks in this room than in High Street Bucket of Chicken! I laugh lightly, <laughs> as if I'm not being tremendously rude. I'm not saying you're insane, Roger. Obviously I'm not. But I'm worried you might stuff and mount us, and not in a sexy way either. I wink. I'm joking, of course. I'm not actually worried. I could easily beat you in a fight, after all. What do you weigh? Eight stone? But they say insanity gives one unnatural strength, don't they? So I better watch out. With that, I nonchalantly toss a nut towards my mouth. It misses and smacks me on the cheek, which rather ruins the effect. I fish it out of my cleavage and put it back in the bowl. A slightly loaded silence follows. Blimey, look at the time! Bernard exclaims, tapping at his wrist, which doesn't actually have a watch on it. Isn't it late? As a matter of fact... Roger stares coldly at me, eyes like frozen giblets. This isn't even my house. It's my mother's. It's still very much as she first designed it 30 years ago. Extras have been added since, but most of what you see is her vision, supplemented by a few travelling souvenirs from me. I frown. So what was all that about the home reflecting the mind? If you believe that, then this place reflects her mind, not yours. Roger sighs. I don't expect you to understand. Have a go, I prompt, still feeling combative. It's fruitless. Mother and I have a bond few could understand. He continues, his stare softening from giblets to Parsons' nose. My home is wherever my mother is. Her style aesthetic is my style aesthetic. Her mind reflects my mind. I was hewn from her rock. Thus, her wall murals are my wall murals. The painted wildebeest of her soul is my... <laughs> Hello, Norman Bates. A boy's best friend is his mother, eh? Is mum upstairs in a rocking chair wearing a wig? Or is this her? I heft the chocolate mint-filled skull into my hands and waggle its jaw, replicating the voice Roger used for the squirrel earlier. Stabbed him, Roger. Stabbed him all. <laughs> I slap the table, finally having some fun. <laughs> oh, dear. Bernard's desperate face jolts me out of it. Roger might be a patronising dickhead, but I suppose calling him a psycho and insulting his potentially deceased mother isn't really cricket. Bernard has to continue to work for this man, and I'm probably not helping matters. It's not my fault, though. Roger is really annoying. I cough. <clears throat> Bernard has a kind of rictus grin on his face. Roger is clearly trying to control himself, with, it must be said, more success than me. I casually lift my wine glass to my lips and take a long, faux-relaxed drink. There's actually no wine left in it, but I need to do something. I'm starting to feel a little contrite. Oh, poor Bernard. i better start playing nicely. Well... Roger eventually replies, his lips a thin line under the bristles of his moustache. Mum is indeed upstairs, as a matter of fact. Not wearing a wig, not a grinning skeleton, she has a migraine. Otherwise, she'd have joined us. She's alive, I assure you. That's a shame, I say, and then realise what that sounds like. I mean, it's a shame she has a migraine, not that she's alive. What a pity we can't meet her. I bet she's a very interesting lady. 
She is. Roger says quietly, and me and Bernard smile and nod, and then we all sit in silence again for about 800 years. Just at the point where I'm seriously considering faking an epileptic fit just to get out of here, Bernard's phone goes off, adding the theme tune from The Exorcist to the party atmosphere. Bernard thought it was an amusing ringtone for someone married to a medium. I anticipate he might change it after tonight. Uh, uh, must get this. Bernard practically bellows and leaps out of his chair, scuttling to the other end of the room. Social panic seizes me as I'm left alone with Roger and an atmosphere you could floss your teeth with. Luckily, I know what Bernard's doing. There's an app called Escape Alcatraz that at the tap of a finger calls your phone and replicates the sound of muffled speech from a caller. Unfortunately, Bernard can't act for toffee and the app requires one to carry out a fake phone conversation. Hello, Lindsay! Bernard shouts unconvincingly into the phone. That's our daughter, I supply, and Roger nods stiffly. Let me say that again. I supply. Roger nods stiffly. I drink more phantom wine. What's that, you say? Someone is lurking outside the house. Oh dear, lock the doors and windows and we'll come home immediately. Goodbye then. Bernard returns to the table, shaking his head. Bernard, is Lindsay okay? I ask, equally unconvincing. Not really. Bernard laughs stiffly. Go on, laugh stiffly. <laughs> there's been a lot of forced laughter this evening. She says there's a sinister figure hanging around the neighbourhood, so I, I think we better go. I'm so sorry, Roger, but you know what kids are like. Bernard <laughs> shakes his fist. Bloody kids. I thought you said she's at university in Durham. Roger asks, arching an eyebrow. <laughs> Reading week. Bernard stutters after the merest of pauses. Well done, Bernard. Thank Roger you. stands up. He seems calm in contrast to his earlier mania, and ever so slightly, slightly menacing, despite only coming up to one's knee. Roger comes to a stop in front of Bernard and pauses, before abruptly slapping my husband's upper arms with his hands in a manner presumably meant to indicate hearty manhood, or more likely, thinly veiled aggression. Same thing, really, isn't it? Bernard stands stiffly to attention, meeting Roger's deranged eyes with determination. Thanks for having us. Bernard says again. Roger smiles. No problem, Bernard. Thanks so much for coming. I've enjoyed this very... Very much. He turns to me. And it's been wonderful meeting you, Magenta. You must come again soon. The smile drops. And next time, I'll make sure Mother is available. Do you think Roger's going to be a bad guy? <laughs> I, do you know, I have a funny feeling that this might not be the last we see of Roger. Can you imagine if it was? That, well, that was that, yeah, what an interesting chapter that red was. red herring. Yes, well, you know, we have to go and have dinner with my boss occasionally, don't we? The next chapter is incredibly short. Shall I do the next chapter? Oh, uh, why not? It's two pages long. Uh, well, I think we can. Pro that probably shouldn't be a podcast on its own, should no, it? No, it shouldn't. All right. Right, this one is called Lady in Red. Two men, separated by several hundred miles and at opposite ends of the moral scale, sit in their office and sketch a picture of a woman. A strong face, dark arched eyebrows, full lips, a penciled-on mole, an abundance of crow's feet that tells of a life of squinty-eyed scepticism, or just genetics, really. A casual day turban in red velvet, with two small tufts of peroxide hair peeking out at the temples. There you are. Fazir husks at the image, remembering the angel, the internment centre, the interrogations... Fazir shakily draws the outline of a dangly earring. I know it was you. I feel it. You did that to me. And now, 
Now you will help me. That's her, says Eldris on the other side of the world, trying to give the eyes a certain I don't know what. That's as close as I can get anyway, Egg peers over his shoulder and huffs. Nice turban, Egg says. What's her name? Magenta. The both men have to murmur it at the same time. Magenta, magenta. You're good. The men murmur in synchronicity, not that they'd know it because they're on opposite sides of the world. Weird coincidence, isn't it? Fazir and Eldris look up, but you know, on other sides of the world. She, she must, must be, be found. found. We, we need, need her. her. Are you going to layer that up in post? I suppose I could do that, couldn't I? Yes, go on. How exciting. What an interesting bit of writing that was. Yes, it I, it was trying to do something, wasn't it? It was trying to be sort of filmic, wasn't it? But it's sort of quite hard to read on the page. <laughs> it's not really audiobook it's, material, is it? Well, it's more audiobook material than it is written book material, you one do you could think? argue. What, it doesn't work on the page? Well, I think, with the as you said, the fact that we can layer it up like that means that... Uh, but you, you can layer it up in your head. It's called imagination. Absolutely burn. right. You, uh, you're, you're quite right. I should shut up, shouldn't I? <laughs> I work in all mediums, Bernard. Uh, yes, of That's course. That's why I'm a medium. A medium. <laughs> all right, let's get out of here. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Greetings, people of Earth. My name is Shmo Brannigan. I have hacked into this RSS feed with a promotional feature for the Wizard Scroll podcast. Transcribing in three, two, one. Hold on, let me unfurl this wizard scroll real quick. Went out of Baba Boy. Nowhere, ten humongous scorpions had surrounded the campsite. Tails outstretched. Hello, welcome to McDonald's. Uh, can I get take your order? As it says, what are you gonna get? I don't know what I want. I'm gonna get the double, uh, triple uh, lobster. I'll take one too. Two McLobsters. As if on cue, the camera panned upwards, directing everyone's attention towards the giant hot air balloon presently taking a pass over the stadium. Holy mother of sassafras, it's Gargo the Destroyer! Leaping into the frame from The Wizard Scroll is available on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, and wherever else fine podcasts are found. This concludes today's promotional feature.